Hello, I'm Hilary Walker, Pastor Derek's um, Associate Pastor at Oxford Bible Church. You know, the last time we were together, I shared with you about the wretchedness of rejection and the misery it can cause right through your life. And we shared together some of the ways in which we can be free from this. But today, I want to share with you about the tremendous power that's been made available to us through forgiving, forgiving those who've abused us, forgiving those who have rejected us. You see, there can be no moving forward and moving onwards without forgiveness. Let me say right away what total forgiveness is not. It's not saying that the offense was not an offense. Uh, it's not saying that the offense doesn't matter. And it's not burying one's head in the sand and saying, well, it really didn't happen. No, total forgiveness is acknowledging that the offense was an offense, acknowledging that it actually did hurt and harm you, but trusting God in his word to work all this together for your good. And also, in the light of this, to make, as it were, a cold-blooded decision to obey God's word and to choose to forgive those who have offended you. Um, in Colossians 3.13, the word forgiving in its fullest sense, it means to forgive, to grant as a favor, to pardon, to freely give, and act towards another under divine influence upon the heart. Let me read to you Colossians chapter 13. The, the NRV says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The King James Version is forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as the Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So the Bible very clearly tells us we are to forgive. Let me share with you part of an article that appeared in the year 2000 on the 5th of June in the Daily Express. You wouldn't really expect to read this in the Daily Express, but here it is. The heading was, Can You Learn to Forgive? And the opening words of this article were, Bearing a grudge can hold you back and even damage your health. Now, Dr. Ken Hart was a lecturer at Leeds University and he had been running the world's first course um, in learning how to forgive. And it was designed to help people to forgive those who had um, abused them, to forgive their enemies, and to let go of all the grudges. And the participants to this, they range from victims of burglary uh, to a jilted husband or wife, and also those who've been bullied at school or at work, or even at home. In other words, these people came from very different backgrounds, different things that happened to them, but they had actually been abused in one degree or another. And they all had absolutely one thing in common. All of them were angry, bitter, and they all wanted revenge. Now many of us have times in our lives where we feel we're really pushed to the limit in terms of forgiveness. You can find this in a close relationship, in a family, or in particular in marriage. Uh, I remember thinking the other day, uh, it's Derek's turn to say sorry. I said it last time, and I realized how wrong I was. Well, first of all, it was my fault anyway. And so a wrong that has been done to you can actually hit every area 
of your life. It can affect your family life, your work, and even your self-worth. And maybe you, you may feel like Job, as he says in uh, Job chapter 3, verse 26, Job says, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. When we don't forgive, we get into that prison of no peace, no quietness, no rest, only turmoil. David wrote to, um, in Psalm 143, verse 7, Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit faints with longing. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. But Jesus tells us to love one another. John chapter 13, verse 35, um, the, the, the disciples had asked Jesus, how, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, Far, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. In other words, forgive me, Lord, in exactly the same way as I have forgiven those who have trespassed against me. And we respond, yes, I know, you know, God tells us to, to forgive. The Bible tells us, but... And, you know, we can lull ourselves um, into a wrong attitude that our circumstances are so particular to us, so unusual, that we don't actually have to forgive. But that is just not true. I would really like to share with you part of the testimony of Dr. R.T. Kendall, um, who wrote a book called Total Forgiveness, Achieving God's Greatest Challenge. Um, it's a very, very good book to read. Now, Artie had been bitterly hurt, and this hurt had touched every single area of his life, his ministry, his family, his own self-worth. And the pain was so much that he actually confided in one friend, a trustworthy friend, a Romanian called Joseph. When Artie had finished sharing what had happened to him, Joseph quietly asked, is there anything more? No, that's it, Artie replied. Then came those quiet, life-changing, challenging words. Artie, you must totally forgive them. Until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them and you will be released. Artie goes on to explain, he said, I felt angry and hemmed in. But Joseph's words were the pivotal point for him in the end and, in fact, life-changing Artie said he would never be the same again. He had expected his friend to say, Artie, you're right to feel angry as you do. Just get it out of your system. But no, instead, Joseph compassionately but soberly rebuked him. He would not let Artie off the hook. He repeated, you must totally forgive them. I can't, Artie replied. You can and you must. Joseph said. Artie said, I've just remembered there's something more. Artie, he interrupted, you must totally forgive them. Release them and you will be set free. I understand um, for Artie Candle it was the hardest thing he'd ever been asked to do. He said it wasn't plain sailing, but he said, as I began to forgive, an unexpected blessing emerged. A peace came into my heart 
that I had not felt for years and years. He said, the incredible peace that I had once experienced, to quote John Wesley's words, I felt my heart strangely warmed. The person of Jesus was more real to anyone or anything around him. All because I was setting those people free. Those people who had behaved like my enemies. I was setting them free by forgiving them, by letting them off the hook. But Azati once again found himself thinking about the situation. He said that he began to feel that resentment and that anger and that unforgiveness coming back into his heart. And he realized that he was the great loser, not his enemies. He was the one who was impoverished by not forgiving. He said, my bitterness wasn't damaging anyone else but me. You see, when we are bitter, we delude us. Oh, I've been here. We delude ourselves into thinking, as long as I set myself on revenge on those who hurt me, they are more likely to be punished. The converse is actually true. Because whilst we are punishing them, we are standing in the way. God cannot do anything about that situation. And then I remember feeling afraid to let go of the feelings of revenge. Because I thought, if I let go, if I don't make plans that justice is done, how will justice be done? That's a devil's lie. God says that vengeance belongs to him. Romans 12, 19. God says very clearly, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, because as it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Whose report do you believe? Do you believe the devil's lie that justice will not be done unless you bring the justice? Or do you believe God's word where he says it's mine um, to avenge, I will repay, God never lies. You see, we have to let these people off the hook, but they are still answerable to God. We need to pray for them, that they will find forgiveness and salvation through God, through repentance. When we dwell on what has happened to us, when we fantasize about, ah, oh, won't it be wonderful when they get their just desserts, then we get all churned up inside. And then we begin to say to ourselves, if those people are going to get away with this, it's just not fair. They won't get caught. They won't be found out. I'm not allowed to tell anyone. Nobody's going to know. That's just not right. And that you will find that the sweet peace of Jesus Christ, the fellowship, that close fellowship with the Lord, will just leave. Artie noticed that this was an interesting cycle in his life. When he was yielding to the Spirit of God, because it says that the love of God has been shed in, abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, when he was yielding to the Holy Spirit, of that total forgiveness of those who'd wronged, he said that wonderful peace would just come and fill his heart. But when he dwelt and thought upon and nursed the things about resentment and the likelihood that these people would never get caught, the peace would leave. And Artie said he had to make a choice. Which did he prefer, peace or bitterness? 
He couldn't have his cake and eat it too. He couldn't have it both ways. And he began to see the truth. God tells us to forgive for our sakes. You see, we only hurt ourselves when we keep that bitterness inside. Do you know it can turn up in your physical body? And so we need to hand the people over. We let them off of our hook and we give them to God. Let me give you an illustration. Um, supposing you're sitting in a courtroom and uh, let's say you've been speeding and you're sitting amongst all the other people uh, who are going to be judged by the judge and the judge takes a long time to come and there's a delay and you think he's never going to come and you think well let's just get this show on the road and you jump up and you stand or rather you sit in the judge's seat and you begin calling the first person and you you hear and you pass sentence on them and you, you've done two or three people and then suddenly the door opens and the judge walks in. How much mercy do you think you're going to get? None. You're going to get the severest judgment. And the judge is standing at the door. Even the Lord. We have to be very, very careful. But you know, the worst thing in all of this, by not forgiving people, is that we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I'm sure some of you have... Um, heard my little testimony. This is when Derek and I were friends and um, he would come around with a, with a bunch of other young people and you know we would have prayer time and a wonderful time in my house and I think Derek had left something lying around. I really don't know but it irritated me so much and I was so angry inside and I wasn't saying anything and I was on my own and I was washing up and I was just so angry with him and suddenly the Holy Spirit broke through and the Holy Spirit cried out, stop it, stop it, you're breaking my heart. And then I really experienced what it was like to so grieve the Holy Spirit that he had to cry out, stop it. Did you know that the chief way to grieve the Holy Spirit is by bitterness? One of the chief ways. Did you know that one of the chief ways to stunt your own spiritual growth is by bitterness. Did you know that the chief way to stop the anointing on your life is by bitterness? I wouldn't dare stand in front of the pulpit if I still had an issue with anyone or with my husband because I know that the anointing would be blocked. Did you know that one of the chief ways to destroy your ministry is by getting bitter? Did you know that one of the chief ways to make yourself sick is by bitterness. Oh beloved, I have been in nursing homes and I have seen these darling people who are so embittered by something that happened to them 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And what happens is that their little bodies are so open to every kind of disease. Did you know that one of the chief ways to ensure that you are lonely is by bitterness? Because whatever fills the heart will come out of the mouth. And sooner or later, when people get close to you, you'll share that thing that happened and be bitter. And you'll wonder why people run away. Whose report will you believe? Will you believe the word of God? Or will you believe the devil's lie? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. But, here's the positive, this is what we're to do. Be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ um, in God forgave, just as God in Christ forgave you. Jesus paid a very, very high price for us to be forgiven. Here we have Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, we also need to forgive maybe somebody who's dead. We need to forgive so that we can be set free. You know, some time ago, some people decided on a course of action uh, that had negative results. And the people who made these decisions were not affected by it all. They went off swanning into the tulip field. But I was left with the flack and the problems that their decisions had made. And I was thinking about it, and I was nursing it, and I was self-righteous, and I had this self-righteous grudge, and it seemed only fair to feel the way I was feeling, and I was waffling on to the Lord, and I was grumbling, and I was complaining to the Lord. And I was upset because it didn't seem like the Lord was about to slap them on the wrists. I, amongst all this, I hadn't really noticed that I had no peace. And suddenly the Holy Spirit broke through. I was so grateful. And I saw a picture right in front of my very eyes of Jesus bearing the results of all my sin, all my disobedience, all my rebellion, all my iniquities. And right at the side of him, I saw myself getting off scot-free, totally let off the hook. God's forgiveness is absolutely total. Through that great and mighty sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, total forgiveness and cleansing is available to us through Jesus Christ. If we accept God's way, then God, as we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, God makes us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the handwriting that was against us has been utterly destroyed. I want to ask a question. Let us seriously ask ourselves, how has God forgiven me? My sins? Oh my, they are many, will never be held against me. No one will ever know what I have done. God is not a gossip. Psalm 103.12 tells us, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. What should my response be? What should your response be to all this? I believe it should be that I will not hold people responsible for what they have done to me. I am going to let go. I, will, I refuse to hold anything against them. Believe me, we have an enemy of our souls and Satan will come along and he will remind you in surround sound, video and um, high definition about what people have done against you. Something that you thought had gone a long, long time ago. And what we do is say, I refuse that. 
I determine not to remember it. And I refuse to tell others what they have done because the temptation would be, I've just got to tell everybody. You know, supposing someone has done you harm and another person comes along and says, ah, oh, they loved it, absolutely fantastic. And you think, you don't know about them what I do. I would really just to, like to enlighten you. Resist the temptation because you will be getting revenge. And God says vengeance belongs to him, not to us. And if you can't contain the pain, because sometimes it is so desperately painful, go to someone who is utterly trustworthy, who is a godly person, who believes the Bible, um, and who will tell not another soul, and who actually will give you, as we call, neuthetic counseling, which is take the word of God and give it to you. You may not appreciate it at the time any more than RT did, any more than I do when I receive nuthetic counseling, but I know that I need it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But I do have to stress here that if a crime of violence has been committed against you or a loved one or someone you know, you must report it. Make sure that your heart is right, that it's not vengeance and wanting to get back at that person. But if someone is a paedophile, if someone has raped another person, if someone has burglarized another person, if someone has attacked somebody, you must, you must report it. Because if they're not stopped, they will go on to bigger and, shall we say, greater crimes. I went to an FGB meeting years and years ago, and there was a young man there who'd just come out of prison. And I think he'd stolen a car and he'd been sent to prison. He said, but he'd been doing petty thefts uh, for, from a, a young child. And he would go to the juvenile courts and he said, they would pat me on the back and say, there, there, don't do it again. And he said, I wish I had had a very sharp, short lesson because that would have saved me going to jail. If someone has been physically abused like... Um, rape or, or a paedophile, it has to be reported to save another child, another woman's life. So total forgiveness is not pretending that something has happened or, you know, making light of it. It's knowing what they still, what they did and yet still forgiving them. You see, forgiveness, pardon, is an act of the Holy Spirit of God upon our hearts to forgive. But God doesn't tell us to do something that he's not prepared to do himself, that indeed he has already done. Let's look at some scriptures. Mark 15, verse 13. They were crying out, crucify him. Some of these people, they must have been healed by him. They'd seen the love in his eyes. They knew he was a good man and they were screaming out, crucify him. And it says in Mark 15, 29 to 30, Jesus was on the cross, the man dying in absolute agony and shame, hurling insults at him, wagging their fingers at him. Mark 15, verse 32, um, the religious folk of the day said, come down from the cross, you know, and show us that you're the son of God, and then we will believe. And you know, there was a tremendous sarcasm in all that. And what was Jesus' response? Yes, I'll come down from this cross and I'll show you what for and I'll prove that I am the Son of God. 
I'll get you and I'll get my father, you know, to, to seek vengeance upon you. As they were nailing him to the cross, which we cannot imagine how painful that was, he was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, the ultimate proof of total forgiveness is when we sincerely petition our Heavenly Father to forgive them. When we sincerely petition, Oh Father, come into their lives, help them to see where they are wrong, help them to repent, so that they might have your healing and your salvation. To let those, to in our own hearts, to let them off the hook, say, no, I don't require vengeance. I don't require, I just leave them with God. Even if they've hurt those close to us, because sometimes, you know, it can hurt even more when they've hurt somebody that you love than when they hurt you. Even if they don't know or don't even care, any more than the Romans cared as they'd nailed Jesus to the cross. I want us to pray a prayer together, asking God, to forgive those who sinned against us. Dear Heavenly Father, your word tells me to forgive others just as you have forgiven me. In obedience to your word, because I do not want to grieve your Holy Spirit, I now commit myself to totally forgive all those who have hurt me and my loved ones. Holy Spirit of God, please help me to remember all that God has forgiven me when I am tempted to let bitterness re-enter my heart and my mind. Please keep before me the joy of forgiveness and all its rewards, and especially that those who do not know you will know that the gospel is true because of the love we have one to another. In Jesus' precious name, amen.